Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Whatever somebody brings to you, don't tell them not to feel what they feel. So if you have a friend and they just got dumped and they feel, they come to you and they say, I just don't feel like I'm lovable. Don't tell them that's ridiculous that you feel that way. You're, you know, you think you're trying to gas them up and telling them how amazing they are, but it comes across as dismissing their emotions. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle and this is Help a Human Out. This week, we want to talk about something that we have all experienced, people-pleasing and toxic positivity. Either you're a people pleaser, a recovering people pleaser like myself, or you definitely know some people pleasers. And uh, toxic positivity, what does it look like? What does it mean? And are we guilty of it? We are going to talk about all of that because as a recovering people pleaser, let me tell you, the shit almost killed me. But how do we stop it? How do we set those boundaries? And then not only how do we set them, how do we honor them? How do we stick to them? And how do we require other people to do the same? Well, (laughs) I don't have all the answers. (laughs) Rarely. Rarely do I even know what is going on sometimes, okay? But Amy is here and she is going to help us come up with a plan. And I'm excited because she is the joy junkie. She's a life coach, a hypnotherapist, speaker. My girl is a whiskey drinker, hey now, an all-around badass who specializes in teaching chronic people-pleasers and perfectionists how to speak up for themselves without being assholes. Listen, okay, let me just run that one back to you. This, she, her specialty, she is going to help you not people-please, let go of that perfectionism, and she's gonna help you speak up for yourself without being an asshole, sign me up. This isn't about me, it's about you helpers. And so, here's my conversation with Amy Eastman. First of all, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, so welcome. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm, I am deeply, deeply honored to be here. Yes, okay, so first and foremost, how do you describe what it is that you do? Yeah, well, I guess I would say in a nutshell, I help people find their voice and actually use it. Uh, The longer definition, I would say, is sort of an internal component and an external component. The internal piece is genuinely believing in your own intrinsic value, that you matter, that you are worthy, that you are enough. And then the external component of how do we then now communicate our worth to the world? So what does that look like to have tough conversations, to establish boundaries, to let go of people-pleasing and say no to things that no longer serve us? The stuff that we've never really been given a vocabulary for. So things like 
asking for a divorce or Mm. asking your adult children to move out of the house or having conversations uh, about racial equality or or telling uh, somebody not to touch your pregnant belly because what the fuck? Right. Uh, Right. (laughs) But all of these things that we're not given language for. So that's sort of what I do in, in my little corner of the world. I love it. I love everything that this conversation is going to turn into because I can feel it's going to be a fantastic one. I love these things. I love someone who wants to help others authentically be themselves, period. Like, I think that is so incredible. I wonder why is it or how is it, since we're talking about getting people there, right? Getting Mm -hmm. people to the place where they can speak their minds, they can set boundaries, they can do these things. I'm curious to know, in your opinion, what is it that breaks people down to the point where they can't do it? We can't, we can't do it. So how do we, we'll get to how we become the person we want to be, but what have you noticed, you know, historically, and what have you noticed in the work that you do are the reasons why people start to shrink themselves? Yes, great question. And that's also going to be very much informed by your family of origin and uh, your various identities in the world. But if we take it back to sort of our our hunter and gatherer days, Mm -hmm. when we really did depend on one another for survival, there really was no one who existed out there by themselves. So if you did not belong to a group of people, that meant impending death. That yeah. meant do. And so then we see an evolution of our psychology with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that's why one of our basic primal human needs is a sense of belonging and community. One of the reasons why the pandemic just mm. annihilated us on a lot of levels because we are wired for connection. Now, we have that uh, sort of impetus behind us, but then we also have where it crosses over into, I need to make everybody else happy in order to sustain my worth. And I think that there are also instances, and I'm going to say this uh, from the education that I've gotten, not because it's something that I've experienced as a very lightly peach person. (laughs) (laughs) Very light. Yes, it's a pastel peach over here. So, uh, but from from the various identities that I have, you know, I, my stigmas and the things that I fought against were largely religion-based mm. and finding my, which we know in many cases is rooted in, in white supremacy. Yeah. So, so depending on who you are, it's highly likely that you developed people pleasing or a severe investment in what other people think because it was a safety mechanism. It was a way in which you could stay safe, especially in communities where you were othered and you were told that you don't belong. So I think recognizing that from the get-go, that that we don't do it to be like, hey, what's up? I'll be a doormat. We do it because we're genuinely trying to protect ourselves. Safety, yes. Safety is everything and, and protection is everything. I really love that you touched on um, I, what I hear is a lot of that intersectionality I love that because that is so important. It's like, yes, I'm a woman and I'm also a woman who is black, a woman who identifies as queer, a woman who is partnered with a man who identifies as queer, like all these different things, right? And so I love that you're talking about intersectionality and I love that you, um, you recognize that 
people's cultures, the differences, all of those things are going to, the lenses are going to be different for everyone, right? Right. Yes, for sure. And this is also, I want to be very clear that this is from what I have understood listening to marginalized communities, not because I'm an expert on it in any stretch. But if I'm going to be somebody who is consistently talking about finding your voice and using it, I also need to understand where that uh, the systems of oppression have been set up to silence specific identities. So I'm very similar to you in that I am married to someone who identifies as male. I identify as female, but I'm pansexual, but I have you know, hetero privilege because I, you know, am straight appearing because of my relationship, right? But still part of the queer community. So there's, there's things like that, that, that people don't realize when they say in your company, because they assume that you're straight. Yep. Yep. Or, or, (laughs) you know, my best friend is white. She's a woman who's white, not to be confused with a white woman or a peach woman. Um, She is in multiple different spaces in, you know, she's a nurse practitioner. So she's in the medical field. She does all these things. She's, she's an educator. And the things that some peach people say in front of her, because they assume because she's peach, they can just say what they want. Not recognizing that everybody's not the same, doesn't have the same values. And there are white anti-racists. That's right. Right. So, oh my gosh, it's mind blowing. I want to know how you would define Toxic positivity, because I know that that is something Mm. um, that, full transparency, okay, Amy, full transparency, I probably, I think some people would look at me and be like, this bitch is a toxic, positive, positive person. But I, the way I look at it, and so that I'm so glad you're here, because I want to talk about this, and I want to make sure that I am really walking in my truth, right? And that other people who subscribe to some of the things that I subscribe to are also walking in their truth. For me, it's more so um, I have had some awful things happen to me and I choose, right? I choose to grow from those things and I choose to uh, heal from those things and I push through and everyone's always like, oh, you're so resilient. And I, they, I don't like that anymore that it's constantly like, oh, you're so resilient. I would really like to not be resilient. I would like to just exist and not have to be strong all the time. But for me, I keep hearing toxic positivity and I'm not understanding it. Uh, and I know that there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of other people who don't understand it. Because for me, sure, the way that I'm moving these days is more so really just being intentional with my reactions and my responses, right? Yes. And so I want to touch a little bit on what you would describe toxic positivity as. And, mm-hmm. and is it a bad thing or a good thing? It's a defense mechanism in a lot of ways, and it's very closely tied to uh, spiritual bypassing. So it's Wait, this, tell me I, more. Tell me more. I need to know about all of this. Okay. So spiritual bypassing is a concept that is that is kind of known in the personal development space, where instead of addressing trauma of marginalized identities— it's all love and light and let's just think positive. And so what both of them do, both toxic positivity and 
spiritual bypassing is it's a dismissiveness of what somebody is going through. So the way toxic positivity might show up is if a friend came to you and was really upset about something and you, instead of allowing them, allowing yourself to be with their pain, you immediately went to, let's see the bright side, or here's the learning, here's the learning that we've got right now, or, you know, don't worry about that, or you shouldn't feel that way. You're beautiful. It's when we, we don't acknowledge the pain that somebody needs to feel in order to heal. Right. And you got to feel it to heal. If you don't feel it, you can't heal from it. Right? That's right. Like, that's not going to happen. I love that. You have to feel it in order to heal from it. So naming that, we need to name that. And I'm so glad you gave me that definition of toxic positivity because I do. I sit with everybody's pain. I feel it even before you tell me you have it as an empath. You don't have to yes. tell me if you're hurting. I'm going to feel it, period. And so- I'm happy to know that my positivity is not toxic. And no. I, lo I love to know um, kind of the origins of it, that spiritual bypassing. And, and I think a lot of it comes to other people's comfort, right? When we tell people that we're hurting or we're in pain or we're suffering in some way, they're, they get uncomfortable. And most That's people right. don't know how to sit in that discomfort, right? They just want to fix it. That's right. In fact, oftentimes I will say we, we search for the fix instead of the feel because Naturally, our, as humans, our two biggest human drivers are the pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. No matter what it is we do, whether we're buying something, whether we're being friends with people, what, what career we're pursuing, we're either in the pursuit of pleasure or avoidance of pain, just basic human nature. So if we are uh, seeing somebody in pain, much the same way if we touch a hot stove, our instinct is whoop, abort mission, like dangerous, that hurts, right? Yeah. So the minute we start to experience emotional pain, we start going, oh, I don't want to be with that. That's too hard. That's too painful. Now, the other thing that I think warrants underlining, it, and you had a guest who talked about this as, as a teacher and dealing with the pandemic mm -hmm. and having to tap out sometimes because you're in too much fucking pain yes. because of the social climate where you have to tap somebody else in and like, okay, out of self-care, I have to stop feeling. Mm. And so, in his, and also as an empath or a highly sensitive person, that is a method of self-care, but it's about the discernment. So the way, the way that might show up for you is if you were having a conversation with somebody and let's say you are taxed, you are at your limit, you've been hearing about too many egregious things through the day, you've been juggling motherhood and teaching and all of the things. All of the and things. So what you might say when somebody else is experiencing pain is you might say, I see you and I am so, so sorry you're going through this. And because I love you, I have to be so honest. I am this close to completely losing losing it today. Yeah, I don't and have I, the capacity. I don't. I don't have it. So that would not be toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is when you're writing off somebody for yeah. their like everything's going to be feeling. okay, girl. You don't have to worry about it. Leave him. It's fine. Your heartbreak doesn't matter because you're going to grow from it. That's toxic positivity, right? Good vibes only. That yes. kind of shit. When it's like, no, like not only good vibes. There's right? lots of other vibes. You know what also keeps, you know what's toxic positivity? What When you were talking about some of the things that you were talking about, something that really stood out to me. When we've got 
tons and tons of kids dying in schools every year and everybody wants to tweet out thoughts and prayers. You can save your thoughts and prayers. We got dead babies. What the hell is your thought or your prayer going to do? Because thoughts and prayers don't equal action, right? That's right. And in order to make any changes, we have to have action. And I love this. I never really understood what toxic positivity was. In fact, I, I, I remember thinking to myself, how can that even be toxic? Like positivity being positive about something, but it's more so the shutting people down, not allowing yeah. them the space to feel, not allowing it. And also as an educator, Amy, am I crazy for thinking these are skills that need to be on the forefront of the educational system? No, how are you how not- are you a grown adult and you have to hire somebody to tell you how to get your grown ass kids out your house? That's right. What? That's right. Well, there we're not we're not given any of the tools for this, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that as as difficult and as harmful as at our age of technology has been, it's also been incredible in the way that it has shown the light on things where like Zgen coming up right now, they know about toxic masculinity. They know yes. about the patriarchy. They know about uh, white feminism versus intersectional feminism. Like there's so much stuff that because of that network, yeah. and they're not playing. Like they are not playing. They are like, come at me with that. Like, they are so here for it. And I'm here for it because I'm like, listen, I've been fighting this fight a long time, friends. Come and join. The young ones are, I, I'm so proud of the youth right? Like, obviously we can't blanket it and say all of them because that's just not what it is. But I'm so proud of these young people who are literally protesting and standing up for things and really, really believe all of, you know, they're fighting so hard to change the world. And it's such a beautiful thing. And still we're not teaching these skills in school. That's right. Well, and again, pointing back to that interview that, that you had, uh, and I'm spacing on Mrs. On Warren. Name. Mrs. Warren. Yes. She was amazing. That even after the pandemic, they're still not listening to teachers. Still you know, it not was like listening to teachers. You got to be the heroes for I don't know, maybe two minutes, and then <laughs> and then now it's back to not paying attention, not listening. And I I completely agree. I completely agree with you that we need to be taught how to deal, deal with our own fear response. We need to be, we need to completely uproot what we're taught about our fucking history. That uh, part, come on, because <laughs> Christopher Columbus ain't shit. I, I don't, I don't have children, but I've had conversations with my best friend. I'm like, if your kids come home in a fucking pilgrim outfit, I will lose my mind. Right. You know? Right. And, and we're, we're still teaching, um, pretend history. We're not teaching these life skills that are so incredibly important. And that is how we continue to perpetuate that toxic positivity because people Mm -hmm. don't know how to feel safely. That's right. That's right. So so let's talk about that for a second, because what we're really talking about is uh, freedom to be vulnerable, which does not happen in all spaces, and also the ability to be with other people's emotions, which again, we're not taught. So for example, if you are watching any type of interview and somebody starts tearing up and getting emotional, the first thing they say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry sorry you have to be with my humanity 
I'm sorry you have to witness me being real and raw. And then what do what do the other people say? Oh, don't cry. Here's a tissue. I don't want to be with this either. Mm-hmm. And so we learn from a very early age. And then this also is, is incredibly pervasive depending on what family of origin you raise where you only get to be happy right if you're going to if you're going to have a temper tantrum or whatever you go to your room you, that's not permissible that's not uh, viewable I f- i'm feeling attacked right now amy i got to <laughs> okay okay help me out with the parenting piece okay cuz i am raising highly sensitive people i have two daughters who are extremely highly sensitive and i'm also a parent and i'm exhausted I'm exhausted with a pandemic, like we all are. I'm exhausted with virtual teaching. I'm exhausted with teaching my own students and my own kids and all these things. And so sometimes I literally am like, yo, I don't want melancholy Marley around here. That's my daughter. You know, we're we're preteen right now. And holy mother of God. Yes. SOS, all the feelings, all the emotions. We're, we're on the verge of womanhood. I get it. And also... I'm trying to break generational curses and not just tell her ass to go into her room. And you know what I mean? And it, it's so difficult. What is your advice? How do I mm-hmm. pause in those moments and recognize her humanity and not just, this is my annoying ass kid right now? Cause that's sometimes that's what it is, Amy. And I don't want, yeah, I want her to, I don't want to do to her what was done to me. And yeah. yet you fall right into it. Sure. Sure. Of course we do, because that's what was modeled for us. That's what we saw. That's what was in the media, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is, this is all about emotional intelligence. And for children and kids to have the names for what it is that they're experiencing. So if you have younger kids, much younger kids, there's some great books out there that I've seen. I'm not a parent. So again, please take this with a grain of salt. Um, But I did have an amazing experience with my father where he would go through various emotions with me where he would go, show me scared. And I would go, you know, and cower, show me happy, Ah, show me excited, Ah," you know, and I was a very demonstrative kid. And so I learned very quickly that no matter what the scope of the emotion was, there was a place for it and that it was acceptable. So one of the things that I think can be really helpful with with kids is to say, is to never make them wrong for feeling what they're feeling and that you're always 100% responsible for your behavior. So for example, as an adult, somebody cheats on you, somebody, you know, steals money from you, whatever. Is it totally understandable that you would want to go key their car or burn their house down? It's understandable. Yes, the anger is warranted and permissible, but the behavior is not allowable. It's not okay. So you tell them, hey, what did, if you're feeling melancholy, here's some things that, that can work. You can tune into dance. You can tune into music. You can tune into art. You can. Meditation. Meditation, you can read. I do hypnosis. Like you could, you give them just a bevy of tools of when you're feeling this, you are allowed. You're never wrong for feeling what you feel, but you're always responsible for your behavior. So, the same way if someone's having a bad day and they snap at somebody at the grocery store, is it understandable? Sure. Is it acceptable? No. No. It's not. Hell no. Right. And that's how you give them agency.
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is good stuff. This is good tools. And the whole point of the podcast is to help a human out. And these are the tools that our kids need to know, right? And whether you're a parent or not, clearly you had a really great dad who was wanting to make sure his baby was emotionally intelligent. Love that. Okay. So how do we, we teach these things by modeling, right? Yes. So I model to my daughters when I'm angry, they, you know, I will say when I am angry, um, what I love most is that if I'm frustrated or angry or something, they're like, mom, you need to volcano breathe, which is what I always tell them, like meditate it out. Let's breathe through it. Right. And it's like they remember it when I'm upset for me to do it. Right. And then all of a sudden right. when they're upset, I'm like, come on, let's volcano breathe. And they don't want to do it. But you just stick with it. Right. You continue to model the things that are going to help them in the long run. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so what I would do is I would set up a lot of this stuff outside of the actual anger experience, because especially when somebody is feeling anger, anger is a secondary emotion, meaning that it's layered on top of a primary emotion. So we have access to that anger because it's part of our fight flight, you know, response. Mm -hmm. So what they're usually feeling is rejection, shame, guilt, overwhelm, stress, some other bigger emotion that we have to navigate that's manifesting as anger. So if they can start learning like, okay, when I am really overwhelmed with my schoolwork or I have so much going on or I'm navigating the news or whatever else is coming up, here are some tools specifically for overwhelm. You can make lots of lists. You can put things um, in a parking lot that doesn't have to be dealt with right away. Uh, and so you start saying like, here's, here's all the things you're allowed to feel all of these. And here are ways to process that having, uh, certain things that they can break, you know, uh, things that can be ripped apart, torn apart. Uh, my little brothers back in the eighties had these toys called wrestling buddies that were like pillows that looked like a little wrestling buddy that they could like jump on and And hurt. We had crash test dummies. And yes, you would, yes. you would hit them and their body parts would fall apart. Like that's what we, <laughs> we, we had crash test dummies. I remember it. Yes, absolutely. So giving, giving them almost like a menu of options. Right. And, and one of the other things that I think is really point, important that you brought up here just a second ago is to claim the emotion as your own. So it would sound like I'm feeling annoyed instead of you are being annoying. Those I statements or, are so important. I'm feeling a lot of anger instead of you are angering me. It's so mind blowing to me that, okay, so there's a, there's tiny bits of social emotional learning that's been happening in schools. And I, and I appreciate that. I personally think that the social emotional learning and I'm an educator. Okay. But I think that the social emotional learning is 
equally as important as the academic and it's not balanced well enough. So, you know, we've been teaching our students to lead with I statements, right? I feel I was hurt when, you know, and it's mind blowing to me that some of the kids actually can understand it and they just need a simple reminder. Hey, use that I, that I statement, right? Got to use your I statements. And there are adults walking around who are constantly not using I statements, just you made me feel this way. You did this, you that, and and not understanding how much power you're giving away to someone. When you say that, you got to be accountable for your own self. You got to be accountable for your own feelings, your emotions. And when you say you did that, you're responsible. You are literally giving all your power away. That's right. That's right. you, You have no control anymore. That's right. And then you, you're basically saying you need to be an entirely different person in order for me to be happy, which is hundred percent outside of your control. Right. Control the controllables. I always say control the controllables. You cannot control other people's reactions, but you absolutely control your own. And part of that is really being able to, I, I'm assuming like slow down and breathe through some of those, those tough moments, which is a skill. (laughs) I think also giving children and yourself agency to ask for what you need. So to for for the way it shows up in my marriage last night, uh, there was some cool stuff that was happening in my work that I wanted to share with my husband. And I could tell that he was just overworked and exhausted and didn't have much to give. And so I said, are you are you available for words right now? You know, because I knew I had a lot of words. And he would, and, and then not being mad when he goes, I, I don't have any room for any words right now. And I was like, cool, parking lot. I can, I'll tell you later, you know? Yes, parking and, lot. And respecting it, right? And so same thing for your girls. You know, they might say, mom, um, I vol- volcanic breath or whatever. I, don't, I can't remember what you called it. Yeah, volcano breathing. It, it's good. It's good. You got yeah, it. That's not my chosen method right now. You know, what I really need is I need a hug. You know, they might be very touchy or they might need isolation or they might need a creative element. They might need to express it through their body. But in order for them to understand that all of that's okay, you you can model the same thing. Like mom's had a really, really tough day today. I need maybe 30 minutes just to take a little pressure release off, you know? Mm. Uh, You can also use metaphor or, you know, you already do with a volcano thing, but saying something like, there was a situation that made me want to Hulk out like incredible Hulk when he just gets like, yeah. you know, so you, you could use metaphor like that where they might be able to say, I just need to go Hulk out for a minute and and beat my bed up a little bit. Sure. Knock yourself out. How can I support you the best? How can I be amazing for you? Um, and starting to have that sort of a vocabulary in the household. I love that. I love that quick question, total aside, but um, I'm going to ask because you have really good knowledge right now. My, <laughs> my partner and I are stuck in the middle of we're at a crossroads. My daughter wants a punching bag and I want to give it to her. And he doesn't. And I don't understand if, if it's a logical way for her to express her feelings, whatever those might be. I feel as though a punching bag would be the right avenue as opposed to a wall, a purse. You know, she's got all that angst in her right now. She's yes. on the verge of ladyhood. It's, it's, it is a scary place to be. I wouldn't invite you over, Amy, because you don't want to be over here. Trust me. It, it is, it's problematic. <laughs> it's, 
is problematic over here, Amy. And and is something like that a useful tool, or do do I, do I explain it while gifting it to her? Do I say, hey, this isn't right? I don't see what he sees, and I I, I want to be able to approach the conversation with him and say, well, let's let's talk about this from a different avenue. She's she is advocating for her needs. Yes. Right. So what, what, how do you have these conversations when you think something is like appropriate and someone else doesn't, how do you meet somebody in the middle? How do you have that conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a lot of nuance to this, but I'm going to speak just to your specific situation. So everybody listening, this will not apply to every tough conversation. So first of all, we know from a a psychological standpoint that nobody will make change ever unless they feel understood. Mm. So, I mean, we see it with all our political fighting and like everyone's just yelling about how stupid everyone is without really listening to what is happening on the other side. Right. So for him, if you're only consumed with why he's wrong and just proving your point, advocating for your rightness, There, he's not going to budge because he doesn't feel understood. He doesn't feel heard. He doesn't feel seen. And he he's going to dig his heels in. Most likely, this is the typical behavior. Yeah. He's going to dig his heels in and advocate for why he's right. So part of it is recognizing, like, this is obviously important to him the way it's important to you. Mm-hmm. That's and equally as valid. Right. Right. And so those are all equally as valid. So again, if we're talking about not dismissing how somebody feels, okay, talk to me about that. Maybe, you know, again, hypothetically, he was in a situation where there was somebody he knew who grew up using a punching bag and ended up being incredibly violent later on. Like he could have some sort of reasoning that's informed that. But if I don't have the conversation, I'll never know. That's right. So treating him with the utmost respect and saying something like, oh, wow, that's really curious. I I see it in a very different way, but explain to me more about what your perspective is or what are your fears around it in that cadence, in that rhythm. Because what we usually do is we go, so explain this to me. Explain Mm. this to me, why this is a problem. Damn, Amy, I'm feeling attacked again, girl. I gotta get it together. (laughs) All right, okay, I get, you know what? You're so right. And it's sometimes you just have to really hear it and have that shit broken down for you because you're absolutely right. It's that, just like you said, people wanna feel heard and understood. He wants to feel heard and understood in the situation. I wanna feel heard and understood in the situation. And neither one of us are understanding each other because it's hard to do when you don't soft it, soften, right? When you're just always on the defense. So, oh my goodness. So, so much to do here. I'm going to soften myself because I know sometimes my initial instinct is just to be like, well, what the hell? Like, you know, you know? And so sure. I, I love that. I love that pause, that take a break and really trying to meet him. I need to see him also, right? I need to hear him. I need to see him. He needs to feel understood, heard. She needs to feel understood and heard. I don't... I. I we all do, right? And that's really yes. what it comes down to. And I think that that circles back to that toxic positivity. When you're giving people that toxic positivity, there is no possible way that they can feel seen or heard. That's you're right. Tell, you're telling them to not feel what they're feeling and to just get through it. It's dismissive. At the, at the root of what it is, it's a total dismissiveness. So if you want to make headway in this conversation, I'm going to tell you right now what to do. 
you go to him when both of you are not heated over something you just saw that that pissed you off or a tough work conversation or something like that. When you're both in sort of a calm, tranquil place and say, and say something like this, hey, babe, you know, I think I owe you an apology. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this issue with the punching bag. And I still, you know, have a very strong stance about what I was sharing with you. But I realized that I wasn't hearing you. I wasn't Mm. genuinely working to understand and hearing your perspective. And so what you're doing in that situation is you're apologizing for the delivery. You're not apologizing for your belief or your stance or or what you're advocating for. And so, but when you do that, you are far more likely to elicit vulnerability from the other person. So keep in mind how you show up. If you're defensive, if you're yelling and screaming, if you're a little passive aggressive, you are far more likely to elicit the same exact reaction. Mm. But if you go in soft and you say, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I was entirely fair to you. I think I was so focused on being right that I didn't listen to your genuine concerns. And this is your child as well. And so I would love for us to discuss this a little bit more in depth. That doesn't mean we're, you're going to change what you agree with. Right. It just means that you're, you are setting yourself up to be heard because you're saying, hey, I'm going to hear you too. Now, as far as I do want to say one thing about the punching back that I would tell you about. Okay. So as, as humans, what we do is if we are feeling emotional discomfort, we try to fix it with physical comfort. Mm, That's why some people have reckless sex. We drink, we We drink, we eat all of it. We do drugs. We do some people overwork out because it's their thing. So now I don't think that it's a negative thing. In fact, we know that physical exercise helps to close the stress loop that we Mm -hmm. go through. But what I would layer on top of that for her is to say, I'm like specifically, I'm letting go of how that person treated me as she's Mm, punching. Let it go. Or I'm celebrating my power or where she's addressing the emotional components of what she's going through and not just like, okay, this will take it away. Yeah, because it won't. Do you see what I'm saying? I absolutely see what you're saying. And I'm so grateful for the perspective. And I'm going to reapproach the conversation from a softer space. And yeah, I love it. So help a human out. This is what it's all about, right? It's about having these conversations, learning new skills, right? We, we are adults and we don't have all the skills. We have to name that, right? We weren't taught certain things. We are not as much of a communal people as we used to. We're not exposed to all the things that these beautiful communities and these indigenous communities have been, right? So it's, we're still learning. We're still in the process of learning all these things. So I do want to wrap up And with the wrap up, what I want to know is when we're talking about toxic positivity, when we're talking about, because what you've been through this whole conversation, what has been the most amazing thing is what you're talking about is effective communication. That's right. You're talking about effective communication. You're talking about effectively hearing people, seeing them, feeling them. And that is the only way that we're going to make the changes that so many of us want to see. So with that being said, how do we draw the line between showing up for people, right? And being intentional about our words and manifestations. Like how are we intentional about the things that we want, need, things that we want and need for other people without it becoming toxic positivity? How do we ground ourselves in real, in authentic, in reality, as opposed to thoughts and prayers when they're shooting up schools? 
Yeah. Well, I would say the first item is whatever somebody brings to you, don't tell them not to feel what they feel. So if you have a friend who's who's incredibly talented and smart and amazing and they just got dumped and they feel, they come to you and they say, I just don't feel like I'm lovable. Don't tell them that's ridiculous that you feel that way. You're, you know, you think you're trying to gas them up and telling them how amazing they are, but it comes across as dismissing their emotions. So the more that we can see people in what they're going through and then in that situation saying, how can I be amazing for you? How can I support you the best with this? And sometimes you can acknowledge your instinct. Like, you know what? I'll be honest. My instinct right now is I want to fix it. I want to tell you all the things that of why you are amazing and why you, you don't deserve to be treated like that. But I don't know if that sort of a pep talk is going to be helpful for you right now. How can I support you the best? So Absolutely. there's sort of like an interpersonal. But when we're talking about stuff that's happening in a social environment, it, that is 100% dependent on your level of trauma and how much you can carry at a given time. Now, if you, depending on where you are in the Enneagram or your horoscope or if you're mm-hmm. an empath or all of these different ways in which we identify, depending on how potent things are for you, you have to acknowledge that as a part of the resistance, y'all, because if we look at how systems of oppression stay oppressing those parties, it's by people of color or the LGBT community or those with disabilities or those who are fat, those people believing that they are not deserving of Mm. rest, not deserving of community, not deserving of fun, that they have to be out there fighting the whole goddamn time. So it can be a fierce act of rebellion, uh, rebellion and resistance and liberation to say, I'm tapping out. I'm taking I know that's right. a rest. Oh, you know yeah. what? I don't know why I needed that permission, but I'm so glad you're here today, Amy, to give so many of us that permission. Um, because at the end of the day, for so many of us, we have all had a shitty year and a half, okay? This pandemic, racial pandemic, pandemic in general, all of these different things have been tough. And I think for those of us who are committed to anti-racism and anti-oppression and anti-homophobia and anti-sexism, the isms, right? Anti-all of it. Sometimes you feel like you just got to keep going because if I'm not fighting, who's going to fight? But the truth of the matter is, no, you got to rest sometimes because if you don't rest, you ain't going to be able to keep fighting. And you're absolutely right. right. It is such a part of, and if we're constantly exhausted, how how, how much a part of the fight can we really be? Right. Well, and even to your point earlier, when you're exhausted, how much easier is it to snap at your kids or to be biting? That's not going to be effectively communicating. We have to be rested in order to articulate and share our message without being drained. And so that so that we can be heard. Like that's mm. the point. Rest Amen. so you can be heard. Yes. Amy, thank you so, so much. Please tell people how they can find you, the podcast, your teaching, your coaching. Sis, I'm about to be up on your website. Like, hold on. <laughs> how do I soften my tone sometimes? Because I come off, the, I, I think I'm passionate, but a lot of other people t- tend to confuse my passion with aggression, not my problem. But if I want to be heard and seen the way I want to be heard and seen, maybe I need to soften a little bit so the message could actually come through. 
I need the message to come through. I'm not worried about the anger or the passion or any of that. I need the message to be heard. And so we will be reaching out to that. But Amy, tell people how they can find you, please. Yes, yes. So my little corner of the internet is thejoyjunkie.com. Junkie yes. is spelled J-U-N-K-I-E. And I'm pretty much everywhere under the handle at the Joy Junkie. I hang out the most prominently on Insta, but uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere. But on my website at thejoyjunkie.com, there's tons of freebies. I've been doing a podcast myself for many years. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, there's free hypnosis tracks. There's free workbooks. There's all sorts of free shit you can get your hands on. And, and we I would like be just incredibly free honored. shit around here, Amy. That's right. We That's like right. free shit. So thank you for the freebies. Thank you for the perspective. So appreciate you being here. I'm going to move differently uh, because of this conversation. And I think that's the whole point. You have these oh. conversations, these fantastic conversations with people who really get it. And if you walk away and you don't grow, you're missing the point. And I will definitely um, soften with my approach in many different ways. And I will remember everyone's humanity as I talk to them because sometimes we do forget and I appreciate you for regrounding me in that. And I'm sure that our helpers out there listening feel the same way. So thank you so much, Amy. You're a beautiful person. Oh, the, likewise. And I am just going to drink that in and ride that lovely compliment uh, for the rest of the day. So thank you kindly, my friend. goodness. Sometimes I am having these conversations and I am, I'm just blown away. One, one time I'm feeling seen. Another moment I am feeling attacked, (laughs) but I'm always growing and I'm always learning. And one thing I think that we've all probably learned throughout this conversation is that people pleasing isn't ever going to actually please you, right? You're going to put this effort in to make people like you, but at what cost, right? Are you going to still like yourself? Sometimes we morph ourselves so much. We're out here being court gestures. I know what that feels like. Like me, like me. But why don't you like me? Listen, everybody is not going to like you, period. It's just not, it's it's not going to happen. And so would you rather spend all that time trying to make them like you or spend half the time learning to love yourself because I think that's what it is. The people who don't want to like us, the people who don't like us, for whatever reason, that doesn't really have anything to do with us, okay? But what is the need? Why do we need people to love us so much? Why do we need everyone to, to like us? We don't. That's the answer. We don't. And here we are in these cycles of people-pleasing and toxic positivity and all of those things. And for what? Friends, helpers, when I tell you I was literally breastfeeding on the radio, I think it was two or three days after giving birth. Do you think that I wanted to? Hell no. They built a radio station inside my kitchen so that I could pop back on the radio during my maternity leave. Yeah. Now, the me that exists now would have said hell to the no, but people-pleasing Danielle, she was like, sure, you build that radio station in my kitchen. 
I'll pop this boob right out and feed this baby on the air because I need you to like me. Insanity, friends. Not cool. Not cool at all. And I can bet that you have stories of your own. Stories of versions of yourself that you're like, what the hell? Who is that? And some of us are still there some days. We have got to break the cycle. And the only way to do that is when we put ourselves first. And I know that you've probably been taught that that's selfish, but no. It's, it's not. How on earth can you take care of anybody when you are court gesturing around and you don't even know who you are anymore? Because when we're focused on people pleasing, there is no way we are showing up as our authentic selves because everybody likes something different. It just doesn't work that way. And also, it's exhausting. It is so exhausting trying to make everybody like you. For what? For what? Do you like you? Does your mama like you? I mean, your mama might not like you. Listen, do you like you? Okay? There's somebody is always not going to like you. My mom doesn't like me all the time. Okay, listen, we have to like ourselves. And at the end of the day, when we like ourselves and when we love ourselves, okay, because some days we ain't even going to like ourselves. But when we love ourselves, we are setting the standard that it doesn't matter if you like me or not. I like me. I like you too, by the way. You know who else I like? Amy. Didn't you just fall in love with Amy? Amy, thank you so much for helping us reclaim our power and for understanding that it is a process. It's not linear. We're not going to just wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? Here I am on Zero Fucks Given Island. No, it's a process. It's not linear. You're going to have to show yourself grace throughout the entire process. You're going to stumble. Just get back up. You got this. And for the love of God, stop sending thoughts and prayers about dead babies. Don't do it. When people are dying and just don't do that. Don't do that toxic positivity. Don't say nothing about racism for an entire year and then all of a sudden throw up a black square on Instagram. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay? Be real about your things. If you are sending out thoughts and prayers, what the hell is that? What is that? That's not even like, no. And I know we do that with love, but it's not real. It's not real. I'm sorry. We have to find a better way. That's toxic positivity, right? Major, major thank you to Amy, a peach ally, giving us the language to stand up for ourselves without being a dick. Go read her book. Check out her podcast. It'll all be in our show description. Oh, my goodness, Amy. Thank you so much, friend. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. I really am. If you have a question you would like us to answer, send a voice memo to hahopodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at hahopodcast. I'm your host, Miss Danielle, a recovering perfectionist, a recovering people pleaser over here on Zero Fucks Given Island. And I really hope you join me. Our executive producer is Emma Martins. Help a Human Out is produced by Red Rock Music and is powered by Acast. We'll see you next time.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 